Craig. Bonton come back. Any coog should see there was something in the way you ran the offense. Bonton come back. You can blame it all on the fans. Shot, shot selection be damned. Wazoo can't live without you. No. No, they cannot. Nobody, I don't ever, 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 ever want to hear anyone complain about his shot selection ever again. That's like off limits from here until forever. Yeah, it seems to be, ha- it's very clear now. And we, we had, we've alluded to this before that. <laughs> yeah, like we like speculated. Who going to take the shots? And they, they just struggle so hard to find yeah. open looks. I mean, we speculated earlier in the year. We were like, okay, we're pretty sure that the reason why he's got so much latitude to shoot pretty much any time he wants is because, like, nobody else can. Well, you know, sure enough, (laughs) nobody else can. Uh, It's hard to describe how putrid the shooting has been in these three games without him. Um, But we'll try. We'll try to describe it. Yeah, we'll try here on podcast versus everyone i'm craig powers with me as always is jeff newser yo jeff how are you doing today i'm good i was just telling you uh i i uh, just got back from uh camp good times so camp good times is uh one of the cancer camps that that we've been affiliated with with my son who's a cancer survivor um and so they do a, a weekend retreat where one of the parents gets to take uh, one of the kids for a weekend out at Camp Burton out on Vashon Island and, and basically get like a compressed uh, Camp Good Times experience. And uh, it was fantastic and we had a great time. It was it was me and my son Tristan, the, the cancer survivor. Some other parents elected to bring like siblings. And so um, but I it was me and Tristan and it was wonderful. I had a great time. I ate a lot of good food. Camp their camp food there is awesome, which is Super cool. And then uh, and then I had to come back to real life today and go back to work, which totally blows. If anybody's ever been to camp, you know what I'm talking about. So other than that, though, I'm all right. I got beer. So, you know, can't be all bad. Yeah. Um, I got a I, I spent Sunday part of Sunday on an island as well. I did the chili hilly ride. Yes, you did. While I was having my island. third grilled cheese sandwich, you were chili hilly. Yep. It's a pretty cool ride. Um, you take the ferry over from Seattle and with your bike, and then you just get off the bike and go straight into the ride. Basically, that's that's what it is. And then uh, you go around the island. Uh, you know, it's a fairly hilly island as most islands are. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you eat chili at the end. You know, the weather was supposed to be awful um, when we woke. When we got up, uh, Amanda's dad went out and loaded the bikes in his truck. And uh, he came back covered in hail um, in the morning. So we're like, this is not going to be good. But actually, it was stayed partly sunny through most of it. Like we, There was like rain for maybe 10 minutes. And then there was like one part where the wind was in our face. But that was on a flattish part. So all in all, um, I'm pretty proud of myself. But, you know, like it's, it's supposed to be the first ride of the, of the season, the cycling season, because like a lot of people at this point obviously haven't been, at least on, on the western part of the state, haven't been out on the road very much because it rains all the time. And it's not very much fun to <laughs> ride like, in the rain. Why? That would be great riding yeah. around in the rain all day. So, yeah. And then, so you, you start right off with this, uh, you know, really uh, basically uh, 2,100 feet of elevation climb over uh uh 33 miles so um i i was proud of myself i um probably 
do a lot to what my run training I've been doing. I was able to uh, climb all the hills without stopping and and get walking. A lot of people were doing that. It's a pretty common sight because uh, there's some pretty brutal hills. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was that was pretty fun. Um, I mean, as fun as uh, I mean, it was fun because I didn't get because I thought I was gonna be soaking wet, and I wasn't. And uh, yeah, ate it some turned chili. out to not be too bad on on Sunday. So yeah. Yeah, like yeah, once after the uh, the early morning stuff. Yeah, we were watching it. There, it was actually a pretty lighter crowd, I guess, than usual from talking to other people that have been there, um, because the weather reports were so bad um, that people just backed off. And yeah, uh, um, but it turned out to be like actually pretty damn good weather, about as good as you can expect in February. But um, more yeah. chilly for you. Yeah, well, it was Did still you get chilly. Two bowls? Did you, no, but uh, did you get two bowls of chili instead of one because there weren't very many people? No, I just got the one. Didn't even finish it because it's actually a, a huge bowl of chili they give you. <laughs> and we, we and we wanted to get to the ferry. You know, it was either catch yeah. that ferry or wait an hour. So right, <laughs> we were, no, you don't we want were getting that. Getting off of there, yeah, you yeah, do not want that. Had a nice beer on the way back, you know, an IPA on the way back on the on the ferry. That was a, that, that was a good good IPA, and then uh, awesome. Yeah, so uh, Chili Hilly, um, fitness, baby. Yeah, um, fitness. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I'll probably get back into riding more. I have another uh, century ride I'm going to do yeah. at the end of at in, in the end of July, uh, early August. But right now, I'm focused more on running. But I got to get back into running, man. It's hard to talk myself into it with this weather. But got to do it. I we, know. I mean, last week you had no excuse. That's true. Every day. The hardest part is, so I always end up in this, not that we want to talk too long about fitness, but, um, the hardest part is like, you know, when you work and you come home and there's maybe like 30 minutes of daylight after you get home, you know, and then Sarah usually doesn't get home until after I do. And so then like the daylight's pretty much gone at that point. And, and then it's really cold and See, I have like a thousand excuses for why. So yeah, that's why. I've, but now it's 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 lighter later now. We're getting a little better. So. Yeah, that's when I go to go. That's why I've done most of my training. A lot of my training um, through January and February has been at at the Y. Yeah, I try. I try to do that. Just running around on their indoor track is just like. Bleh. Yeah, I do it on a treadmill. Yeah, that's but, probably. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think it all sucks. I like to run outside, so. Yeah, I'll get back to I'll get back to the grind this week. Life sure slowed down a little bit. Yeah, speaking of getting back to the grind, transition, professional transition there, segue. Yeah. Cougar basketball. Yeah, it was a rough mm. weekend. Rough doesn't begin to describe that garbage. Yeah, it um I mean we'll start with Thursday. That was frustrating. Yep. Um just to take a cow offense that is not very good. Nope. And uh, kind of let. I mean, they they didn't shred the Cougs, but by Cal standards, playing the Cougs at home to, you know, get uh, one, you know, over one point per possession is is frustrating. Um, even the Cougs forcing a fair amount of turnovers, uh, rebounding really well, but it was free throws and well, free throws driven free throws a lot mostly. by mostly free throws <laughs> and yeah, it was just uh frustrating to watch um and uh just because the cougs couldn't they got down late early and they just couldn't come back because they just didn't have the offensive they had a they went through a stretch where cal didn't score for five minutes and they scored i think 
five points over that stretch or three. Yeah, they they made they cut the lead by like three points or something or five points over that yeah. span. It's bad. Which when we get to the next game, we can talk about a similar thing. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the, obviously the we knew that offense was going to be bad, and it and it was. Um, CJ uh, didn't have a particularly good game. Uh, you. Uh, you, uh, Wait, are you saying thirteen points on eighteen shots yeah, is a bad game? Yeah, um, and then uh, you really you got you got a, a a great effort from Tony Miller and no one else really. Uh, you got Mar like Noah Williams really has struggled being the number two option. He has yeah. not done well with it. Um, his his uh, effectiveness has plummeted because he's been asked to create more. Right, um, which he is just not ready for at nope. all. Yeah, you had Gervais knock down some threes. Uh, that was a bright spot. He kind of kept them around in the second half, hitting those threes along with Tony Miller. Um, but just otherwise, it's just uh, they they really were never within two possessions in the second half. No. More than, closer than two possessions uh, with the ball in the second half. And, uh, yeah, they basically – it seemed like Paris Austin was at the line killing a, a rally um, at any point. Um, yep. So that was just a, and then obviously the, another big inside um, dominating them, Andre Kelly, um, eight of 10 from twos. Uh, that was frustrating. Yeah. Just to like, Cal's not a good team and to no. get swept, swept by them. Uh, really, those are two games that, WSU should have had and if they would have had them this season would be looking a lot yep. better right now uh, yep. they'd be at they'd be at uh, what seven and seven yeah um, seven and eight whatever it is um, but yeah the, like it, obviously I, I you know it's tempting to say if Bonton was in it might have swung it but they like it, it might have just got them uh, out like it would have avoided getting in such a hole early but yeah um, well, I mean, I, I will say this, though, that, you know, Bonton, I, I think it's pretty clear, is our best perimeter defender in addition to being, you know, our best perimeter offensive player as well. Um, and so, you know, when you're looking at a game that featured so many free throws, right, so much. Now, some of that was uh, some of that was Pollard uh, being ineffective in the interior and, mm -hmm. you know, Tony Miller playing uh, pretty significant minutes at, at center. Um, you know, those things are obviously not ideal against against a team that's got um, a fairly good sized center that can do some damage. But, um, you know, Bonton's going to contain some of that penetration and he's going to he's going to reduce some of that free throw free throw free throw rate uh, just on his own. So, you know, I, I don't know that the result ends up different. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to sit there and say he's, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, like superstar or something. But. Um, you just see the important things that he does when he's not there. And we don't have another point guard that can do what, well, let me, let me rephrase that. We had two point guards that can do what he does. And now we have zero because one of them injured his hip earlier in the season and ended or his leg or something, um, and ended up out for the season. And then the other one injured his hip against UCLA and has been out for three games. So, you know, we were left with, uh, you know, really a freshman and Gervais Robinson, who, um, you know, Gervais, for all of his, uh, you know, ability to play hard on defense, which is great. 
um, is 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 really not not an offensive threat um, at all, and he he doesn't do the kinds of things Bonton does with uh, penetrating and passing. So uh, having him in that lead guard role is, is just you know is a real 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 problem. And you know the other thing I think that um, is a little bit underrated, to be honest, uh, I, I just I think Jeff Pollard is is absolutely gassed. Yep, um, I was going to say that too. You know, so when we look at like his last three games, now you know he had. Uh, the good game against UCLA, uh, the overtime game against UCLA, played his butt off, and then of course in overtime kind of got taken to the woodshed by uh, I can't remember the player's name, but Riley. Uh, yeah, Riley. You know, to, it just basically destroyed him in the in the overtime. But you know, I mean, you look at that game overall. You know, twenty points, six rebounds, two steals. You know, you're like, yeah, like that was a pretty good game. Uh, in the three games since now, this again, this uh, and he played forty minutes in that game. And, and we sort of marveled at that, right? Last week we talked, oh, 40 minutes. Like, you know, and that was the second time he's played 40 minutes. And wow, you know. Um, you know, the three games since, he has scored four points, four points, and two points. Well, not in that order. Two points, four points, four points. So 10 points over the last three games. And I think even more noteworthy, he has four total rebounds, including only one defensive rebound in the last three games. Four total rebounds from your from your center. center. Yeah, in three games. <laughs> in three games, and he's in uh, his minutes. Have, and he's, he's played, yeah, and he's played twenty yeah. minutes a game, in yeah. twenty plus minutes a game in those games. So, um, you know, maybe some of that has to do with Bonton. You know, and and you wouldn't normally think like, you know, the uh, at least offensively anyway, uh, some of that has to do with with that guy. But you know, I mean, to only get uh, you know to get one defensive rebound in three games uh, is 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 pretty patently absurd um and then you watched you know he's over over seven on threes in those games um you watch him shoot those games or shoot those shots and you know not a lot of legs there um i, I just think he's battled so hard all season uh and, and you know playing you know overmatched most nights uh at least for the last couple months playing pack 12 games um yeah i, I just think he's kind of toast and you know God bless him. You know, it was uh, super touching to watch him walk over to center court to kiss the logo and then have ESPN cut away from it uh, and when it happened. And then, when he and then have ESPN cut back after he was done. God. Dipshits. They're the worst. They send us Corey Williams and Roxy Bernstein. They can't even get Jeff yeah, Pollard we, we, kissing we get the, the logo. Yeah, we get them on the Pac-12 network. Why do we get them on? God. Horrible. We get that same crew on Pac-12 Network games, right? Like, Corey Williams, over. like he says so many things that are just demon, like just false. They're just wrong. He's like, okay, so the three-pointer that C.J. Ellaby blocked, you remember that one? So mm-hmm. it was like an inbounds play. Stanford drew up this whole inbounds play because they only had like you know three seconds on the shot clock. So they drew up this whole inbounds play to try and get off a shot, and it was supposed to be like this, uh, basically like run you know Isaac White shoot running the baseline coming around a screen um, and getting off a shot from the corner and CJ Ellaby got around a screen chased it down jumped and blocked the shot right, right. and Corey Williams goes yeah you know as you see here Ellaby kind of got caught sleeping but then he like you know made up the ground and blocked the shot and I'm like he wasn't fucking asleep he busted through a screen like like he chased that shit down he earned that block oh just Mm. Ooh, I can't stand that guy. He's horrible. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So, Cal, Cal yeah. game frustrating because they 
they limited Matt Bradley pretty well. Um, I, I think uh, Gervais gets some some like Gervais and Noah yeah. kind of combined yeah. for that. Um, I didn't I didn't even realize that Marvin Cannon played 35 minutes in that game. I remember yeah. he started, um, but that just shows that he is just uh, you know he he's just he just has never found his place in this offense. Yeah, he just doesn't from the beginning of the season used very much. You know, it, you, you'll remember him when he tries to you know uh, posterize someone or or whatever. But like it's it's he just uh, like he just doesn't outside of you know an awkward three attempt here or there like it's and we know he can shoot uh pretty well especially from the corner particularly from the corner um but it but he um he just hasn't shot that well this season i mean in, in fairness he's been in and out and but uh obviously they have him in there because there's you know what else who else are you gonna put in there um i mean obviously you and i were high on him uh before the season but he's just yep. um we were really excited both of us were yeah. that he came back yep um because he's just uh he's got the physical tools and he's got that corner three so you're thinking like a three and d type of guy but yeah um it just hasn't worked out yeah he's obviously battled injuries and then um now he just yeah like you said he just doesn't he hasn't found a place in the offense i mean he's he uh he just doesn't like use the ball very much uh he he, he he's relying on other people to get him shots and then like we said when the only he's playing because Bonton's out and uh Bonton is probably the only guy on the team that really can set him up regularly um because we've seen with Ellaby when he's putting the ball on the deck he's not looking to he's not looking to dish very much um and like you said Noah Noah does have that ability um and it, it but it's kind of his his shooting has been so suspect that defenders can kind of um lay off of him a bit to yep. tighten those passing lanes um but you know he was two of ten uh against cal and then he was uh similar uh we're two of ten from two against cal and then one of six and one of eight overall against stanford and he was two of 11 overall like, i mean so teams are really daring him to shoot Right. And they're just like, okay, you're not going to beat us off the dribble. You're going to have to beat us with a shot. And yeah. And he can't really do that. It's just, it's just really condensing the offense overall. Yeah. um, When you don't have that threat outside. It makes it so hard. It's really too many guys. You know, you mentioned Cannon as a potential, you know, three and D guy, that, that sort of thing. Well, we have like a whole bunch of guys that maybe kind of fit that profile. Right. <laughs> you know, we that's have a lot of guys. That's pretty much what Gervais has been doing. That's what Gervais is. That's what DJ Rodman is. That's what uh, Alex Kuntz is. I mean, it's and granted, they all have varying levels of success within that. But it's it really does show, you know, in general, the guy. I think DJ Rodman will obviously become more more diverse than that as time goes on. But, um, you know, it really just kind of shows you the limitations of the guys that Ernie recruited. Um, that, you know, you, you've got these guys who, you know, really can't do a lot of things. And, you know, Kyle Smith talks about wanting to recruit six tool players. Right. And I remember when, you know, the first time I heard him say that, uh, I was like, well, duh, doesn't everybody want guys who can do a bunch of things, but what he's really getting at, and I can see it now from watching the team. Um, you know, what he's really getting at is he, he wants guys who can at least do a little bit of everything. And if you are limited by the ability to really only do one thing or two things, 
um, that really makes it tough to play within what he's asking them to do. And so you see a guy like Cannon, you know, you see a guy like Gervais. Now Gervais obviously is is bringing it on the defensive end, as we said. But um, you know, you just see these guys within the offense who are, you know, they just they don't have an, a well-rounded enough skill set to be effective within what Smith asks them to do. And you know, so then you see Cannon, he just kind of stands around, right? I mean, he, he's not a good dribbler. Um, he's an okay spot-up shooter, right? You mentioned that. Um, but he's, he's not a dribbler. He's not a passer. Um, so in order for him to score, it's, it's really gotta be either, you know, a spot up three and even that's pretty dicey or, um, really he's just somehow gotta, someone's got to find him in some space attacking the basket. And when they do, obviously he can finish, um, or get a foul, but you know, without it, you know, in lieu of that, uh, you know, it's not a lot of other stuff he can do. And, you know, we just have a lot of guys without Bonton on the floor. We just have too many guys like that who can maybe do one thing or two things. Um, and when we really need them to do, you know, at least three or four and, and they, and they can't. So, yeah, I, I don't even want to know what the offense would have looked like if Miller hadn't come back. Right. Um, Cause he's very clearly our most gifted offensive big. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's also bonkers. six, six. Um, but he is transferring he, from Montana after transferring from SPU, right? And man, he's athletic. Very he is, uh, but yeah, way and, more than I gave him credit for earlier. Yeah, in the season. he's very athletic, and I think that's why he's been effective offensively because he typically has a bigger guy on him, and yeah. um, he's given he's given some even some of the more like I, he gave Onyeka Kongwu trouble earlier in the first game against USC offensively. Like he he just he puts the like he sees opportunities to put the ball in the deck and. He's very good at um, catching and finishing. Um, he doesn't. He's because of his athleticism. He's got a little more leeway, like in in how he can attack the basket. Yeah. Say, like if it's jumping off to if like you're dumping it off to Pollard, um, he better be like pretty open. But uh, Miller can <laughs> and score even from sometimes a, that's not enough because yeah. he's got to actually catch the ball. Yeah, but like but Miller can score from quite a few angles. Um, obviously, he's been. Uh, kind of stretching it out a little bit. Uh, that's something hopefully he can work on next year. Because if he can knock down, yeah, you know, that three, he, yep. he, I mean, that'd be huge. Like he, because it, I mean, it's just with him. If we could get a legitimate five, and he could play the four, and yep. like it, he would be so good. Yeah, but he he is often in the five at, at six six two ten. Like he's playing. Yeah, five. Smith is Smith has gone these last couple of games. He tried just going ultra small, and which obviously didn't work either. But you know he just doesn't have a lot of options right now. And playing Miller at the five is. <laughs> but yeah, he was. I, I, yeah, whatever. He was huge um, against Cal. They, I mean, yeah, they were dead in the water without him. Yeah, um, that game's a blowout. And then he, him. yeah. And then he, against Stanford, uh, had fewer opportunities, but was, again, very effective in, in finishing those opportunities. Um, very good. Yeah, he's our best finisher class. around the basket, probably. Abs- absolutely. I mean, maybe I even maybe even better than CJ, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, would, I would think so. Um, uh, CJ's probably taking a lot more difficult shots, but I yes. think Miller, Miller is... Uh, yeah, he's he's. I mean, in, in terms of our front court, see uh, if you're counting CJ as a three. Yeah, if you've counted at the four and the five, like easily um, over Pollard or Markovetsky, that's pretty much who it is. <laughs> yeah, like um, that's you know he he uh, he fills that role of uh, 
the catch and finish, which is makes you you look back. It's a bummer that he missed so much time because um, yeah. he could have been having a real nice season. Um, yeah. If he but, can add about ten or fifteen pounds between this right. and next season, yeah. and add a legitimate three point shot. Um, cause it's still, it still looks a little, when you see him shoot, like it's, yeah, it, it's you see it in the free wonky. throws, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you see it, why he's not a good free throw shooter. Right. Like there's just a, there's just a tiny little hitch in his jump shot. I don't know if, I, I don't know if hitch is even the right word to use. It's just like, there's just like a, a little bit of a lack of fluidity in the follow through. Um, it just kind of yeah. comes, the ball kind of comes off his hand kind of hard. Yeah. You know? and so you see that on the free throws and if, if they can clean that up somehow, and really get him, um, you know, make that jump shot just a little more fluid. Um, man, he, yeah, he could be a really, a real dangerous weapon, particularly if he can play, you know, play the four uh, at, you know, and be just, you know, 10 or 15 pounds heavier, not lose any of that athleticism. Um, I, you know, he could be a real valuable piece, uh, real valuable piece going forward. Yeah. I'm not, and when I'm saying this, I'm not thinking the same styles of players, but just the same sort of rise in the senior year that we saw out of like Koprovica and Lodwick and stuff. And so, you know, if, if you can get a guy that can just uh, start finishing even more and, and yep. look for more opportunities when, he, like, I mean, he's actually pretty aggressive offensively considering, you know, uh, how often he touches the ball. Like he's, he's getting in self in positions to score well he was a volume scorer at spu yeah you know that's that's the difference i mean he he was a volume scorer for his first two years so you know he he definitely i think has that scorer's mentality and i and i think that's part of what's made him um so good is he really he's just like fuck it man (laughs) and he's fearless you know i love it yeah we can talk about the stanford game a little bit um yeah again uh, De Silva was uh, a bear, but I, I don't know why he had to hit those three pointers. That was annoying. Asshole. But, um, sure. yeah, he was he was tough to deal with again. Um, uh, so was uh, just almost anyone. On Stanford. <laughs> they all were hard to deal with. Yeah, you know, that whatever. Was, uh, Stanford is just a really. I was uh, messaging a, um, a a coach that. Um, I was I messaged periodically uh, from uh, um, USF that worked with Kyle Smith um, b- before the game, and and he was he was saying you know they didn't have a game, so he's gonna watch this one, and and uh, and um, he just and I was he's like I know it's gonna be tough. I'm like yeah, this is a really bad matchup for WSU, and in you know especially if Bonton's out, like it's just it's just not a good matchup. Um, De Silva is the perfect type of big to exploit, especially a tired Jeff Pollard. Um, he's quick enough to the where Miller, you know, Miller's quickness, which is his like best asset, is not really effective in guarding him. Um, so you're left just trying to crash. Um, yeah, when you look at like all the guys that played, which is crazy to see, all the guys that played significant minutes for Stanford, only one was below uh, 100 offensive rating for the game. Um, you don't see that very often. No, uh, you don't. Uh, they, again, they they weren't as dominant on on two pointers. They really uh, were super annoying on threes this game, um, but they still hit sixty five percent of their twos, and then also added forty eight percent of their threes and seventy six percent from the free throw line. So it was just uh, they weren't missing much. Um, they, 
when they did miss, uh, the Cougs locked down the defensive glass. So um, that's why, uh, you know, in that basically one stretch when they were missing, when the the Cougs um, had their best chance to come back, um, the six-minute stretch where Stanford didn't score in the second half, uh, they they could like they couldn't make a shot, and so they were one and done over and over and over again. Um, yeah, because the Cougs, they were working hard to get boards, but obviously WSU in that time, in that six minutes, was only able to score eight points, um, and they weren't able to get just just like against Cal. Uh, they made their runs in the second half, but they never could get within any closer than a two possession game. The closest they got was forty seven forty three. Yeah. And uh and then, you know, Stanford always had a they always had had a run to answer. They, yeah. they always had a five or six point run just to just to squelch anything. This feels so much like Dick Bennett's first season, right? Like where you you know they could get these long stretches of defense, but that the offense was just so painful that you know about the only thing that doesn't feel like it obviously is this team plays at you know quite a bit faster pace obviously than right. uh, than Dick's team did, but but similar kind of deal right where it's like I mean especially these last few games, you know yeah they're gonna have some stretches of really good defense for a while, um, but it's like they they can't score enough <laughs> they can't score enough in those. In those yeah, you uh, had, stretches to, you to have, really make a difference. You have Gervais Robinson taking 16 shots, oh, including God. 10 threes. Uh, yeah. That's not ideal. I mean, in, in his in fairness, he could have been much worse. And like he, yeah. Well, um, and it's it was senior day, so it seemed like that played into yeah. part of it too. Yeah, but um, that obviously didn't get Pollard any extra shots. <laughs> Only, no, um, he he took a few threes and uh, scored one great. bucket inside. Um, uh, CJ, uh, the shooting percentages don't look great, but overall he was pretty effective. Um, 22 and 10, those threes were huge, uh, and they were all very difficult. Um, it seemed to, he would miss the open ones and hit like the ridiculous, yeah. uh, deep ones. Um, but yeah, he was obviously battling and having a hard time. It's just his, his, his two point percentages plummeted in Pac-12 play just because it's so easy for teams to crash on him. Um, he hasn't become a great, um, you know, he, he hasn't been great at, um, dishing off when teams crash on him, right. um, defensively, he usually forces up a real tough lay in, um, and he doesn't get the foul calls as much as he, you know, he, he might think he should. Or, yeah. You know, that's, that's been a weird ongoing thing. But. It seems like he should draw a few more fouls than he does. He seems like he gets pretty hammered. I don't know if it's his size, like his, his you know, his, his strength that, kind of makes the refs think he's a little uh um because he, he doesn't you know flop really he just gets hit and just keeps keeps going but uh, maybe he needs to add that flop to his repertoire to get more uh <laughs> get more calls uh but yeah it's I, I don't know like overall he had a i mean he had the type of game that um we wc needed from him uh obviously you know something greater but i wouldn't expect much more the way stanford was keen on him because uh, they were able to take him out for quite, you know, some long stretches um, just by, you know, shutting it down. Well, and Stanford's but, a really good defense, too. Yeah, they, I mean, they're t- top 10 defensive. Yeah. So, to do what he did in that game, 
you know, 22 points on 19 shots, uh, you know, 10 rebounds, two assists, two blocks, two steals, only one turnover. That's a pretty damn good game. Yep. Um, against that team but you know only three of as you mentioned you know only three of ten on twos you know just a real struggle throws yeah yep just a real struggle to to do damage inside i i do think that that's um that's the next piece of his game he's got to develop um next year presuming he sticks around i i really i don't know i mean unless he's just dying to go to the nba or or let me rephrase unless he is just dying to play professional basketball which some guys are you know but i don't I don't get the sense from him that he's just, you know, that he's dying to leave school and dying to start his professional career, whether that's in the NBA or the G League or overseas. Um, I think his goal really is to get to the NBA. Just again, I don't know the kid, um, but it just seems like from uh, the things that he says, the way he carries himself, the way he, you know, developed his game. I I think that's his goal. And he's he's definitely not ready for that yet. you know, I, I can't imagine anybody, you know, expending much draft capital to, to select him at this point. Um, his ability to actually get to the basket, draw fouls, finish around the basket. Um, those are things that are, uh, you know, going to be really important because he's not the he's not the most fleet of foot guy. Right. I mean, if he was, he probably wouldn't have ended up at Washington State. Yeah, he's so. he's a good leaper. He's strong, but he's yep. yeah, he's not, he 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 rarely breaks a guy off the dribble all the way to the basket the guy yeah, he's got to be like, he's got to learn to be crafty enough to get to the rim which v- t- way too often he's he uh is, is sort of forced into taking a mid-range jumper so yeah and uh you know he's shot really well from three in pac-12 play 38 percent, but it's he was over 50 percent um from twos before pac-12 play started he's at 32 percent during pac-12 play on two. So this three of 10 was a pretty typical performance for him against the conference opponents. Um, his free throw rate has dropped in conference play. Um, and you know, f- when we say free throw rate, we mean the, the number of free throws he gets per field goal attempt. Um, his free throw percentage has been just fine still. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it's, he, he just, um, I, I think in the way he does, it's a very typical way he attacks the basket. He ends up taking this kind of lefty runner from the block. Um, you, you see that shot a lot from him. And uh, he's, he's not, not real great at finishing it. Yeah, he's not going to draw a foul on that. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely got some, some things to work on offensively. Um, he's, uh, he's a good shooter, and he's uh, uh, just a tough, uh, yeah. strong guy. But... It, and I'm sure I, he's running down too. Well, like, and yeah, I mean, he's he leads the conference in shot percentage, uh, which means when he's on the floor, he takes the highest percentage of shots of his team's shots than any other player in the conference, more than like Peyton Pritchard or any any other great player you might think of. It's C.J. Ellaby is taking the highest percentage of shots, um, and then he's second in possession usage, and. Um, really where he gets docked there is because he doesn't get to the free throw line very much and he doesn't turn the ball right. over very much, which is not a bad thing. And not a lot there, of assists. But yeah. But yeah, it's so, yeah, he's a, and ninth uh, in he, minute percentage. Yeah. So yeah, he's playing, playing a, a ton of minutes. of minutes, taking a ton of shots, you know, doing a ton of rebounding too, which is also a thing that actually expends quite a bit of energy. He's, yeah. sec- he's He is second in the conference in defensive rebounding percentage in conference play and, uh, and 25 remarkable for a so guy he, his size. So he grabs almost 26% of the available defensive rebounds while he's on the floor. 
That is a very elite number. That yeah, that's like play. That's, Josh Hawkinson type. Yeah, maybe even a little better than what Hawkinson that's like, was. I, that might be. Yeah, I'd say more like Kevin Love type uh rebounding yeah. percentage like it's like if you think some of like that's where the best rebounders are falling like aaron baines was pretty close to their his uh senior year um you know it so that's just a, a an excellent number um and he's 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 been he's done that more during conference play than he did during non-conference um and you know that that speaks to his strength and leaping ability and, yeah. and just he, he's got that he's got that rebounding nose that some guys just have yeah. by the way point of correction josh hawkinson is a junior 32 percent defensive rebounding percentage yeah that was jesus i forgot about that <laughs> but then his senior year it was only 26 and a half so yeah only but yeah point stands i mean cj ellaby at six six two hundred to get as many defensive rebounds as he does is, is really remarkable and is, it is also expends energy. So yeah. yeah, he's, he's given it his all. This is not to like drag on him at all. Like he's, he's having a, a really incredible season and, uh, but you know, pretty clear. He's still, he's still got some stuff to work on. Um, and so, you know, hopefully he sticks around for another year. Yeah, I think least. that would help. That would help WC quite a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would not that, not that we're, you know, like that but it would actually help the team that we love without a yeah. doubt um so i guess we could probably take a break well okay whatever stanford sucked they lost yeah <laughs> again screw um, those nerds yeah screw those nerds um but uh stanford really needed that win um, yes they did so good for they them. needed both those wins they got beat washington too so yeah yeah those are good wins for them. But yeah, those uh so bad weekend basketball wise, two pretty bad losses, especially yep. in the context of the uh, of the the team quality of Cal. Yeah. Um but yeah, um hopefully Bonton so hopefully Bonton comes back for you dub on Friday, so maybe we'll take a break and then we'll uh we'll talk about that game a little bit. We're back. Well, this is where we always sneak in the beer talks. Yeah. What beer are you drinking? Yeah. Uh, I am having a Space Danger from Fremont. It's their uh, seasonal. Uh, the can is uh, absolutely A++. Other, other than the fact that it features the color purple. But um, we've got uh, a purple can with orange. Looks like Martian surface. And what looks like a crash space rocket. And for some reason on this Martian surface, there are dinosaurs. So whatever. But beer's pretty good. Have you ever been to Mars? Do no, you know there's not dinosaurs uh, you know there, what? Jeff? You know what? That is a fair point. Um, but yeah, pretty standard, you know, kind of West Coast IPA style. Um, yeah, perfectly pleasant beer. wonder if it's uh, – I haven't had it yet. I wonder if they were uh... – with that's a direct um um dig at uh space dust it might if, uh, it might be it's possible i've not looked at any descriptions of it but yeah could be could be cool yeah um, what you drinking dude i am having a triple ipa a hazy Ooh. triple ipa from ruse brewing um, in, in collaboration with Structures, but it was brewed at Ruse. Ruse is out of Portland. It's called Mirrored Memories. Um, 
It is uh, pretty tasty. Um, I, uh, it was given to me by friend of the podcast, Brian Logan, um, who uh, was up at Structures and uh, gave. So I, 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 I kind of was joking with him and said I wasn't going to give him another fucking shout out. But, uh, there I am. <laughs> but you just did. But hey, it was too easy. I was being lazy and looking for a beer, and I just there you it. go. Uh, interesting. Uh, just between just talking about Ruse is a very good brewery there in uh, I, I've said there in Portland. Uh, they brewed the first beer I had from them was like a very interesting sour. That was a few years back, and then they've just you know expanded their repertoire and the, make a lot of good beers. Very respected. Um, they were one of the cr- collaboration breweries on Fort George's Three Way IPA last year, where they always pick a uh, Oregon brewery and a Washington mm-hmm. brewery mm-hmm. And, and do a, a triple collaboration. They do all these beta batches of it before. Yeah. Um, Those are always outstanding. Yeah. Um, I feel like the the one a couple years ago with Holy Mountain and Modern Times was better. I liked it a lot more than last year's one with Ruse and Clubburst. Um, uh, but uh, I, I didn't really like how they did the um, different hop varieties throughout the batches. I just kind of was like, just pick a pick one and do the same beer over again all the summer which is what they usually do but um so i i'm kind of hoping they don't do that again this year where they were like this is the citra one this is the whatever one you know um i didn't like that so much last year um because some of them were good and some of them were less good yeah uh, <laughs> um but the the one the, the couple years before uh were really good um, they always do a different can, but kind of based on the brewery vi- the vibes of the the two breweries. So I'm excited to see. So so Ruse was in it last year, and it's funny because this is a collaboration between Ruse and Structures, and Structures is one of the is the Washington brewery um, this year. Uh, the uh, Oregon brewery is a brewery called Level Beer, who had, does a lot of like video game themed branding and stuff. Yep, yep, uh, we've but, had them on the podcast before. Yep, and so uh, Structures is an excellent brewery in Bellingham. Obviously, I talked about them a couple episodes ago. It might have been last episode. Um, so highly recommend them. Um, but yeah, so uh, big, hazy triple IPA. It's not very bitter. Uh, it's very much a it's, a... it's called American tri- triple IPA, but it's very much New England style. Um, yeah, not a ton of bitterness. Very fruity um a lot of a uh, lot of tropical fruits action going on heavily dry hopped so the nose is big time fruit um obviously no fruit in the beer i'm talking about the you know the kind of uh, uh tropical fruits um you know the the mangoes and the papayas and stuff that you kind of get from the the new hops uh, this says it was brewed primarily with vic secret hops which is kind of the new the new hot shit um, and then uh, dry hopped with Enigma Citra Mosaic. Um, so it is very tasty. Uh, it's very easy drinking for a 10% beer. Um, quite dangerous. Uh, but yeah, I like it. Um, Those are the job. best ones. Yeah. Good job, Ruse and Structures, who probably just had a guy there uh, drinking beer. Um, I think that the can art is done by the Structures guy. Um, is what someone told me. And then, um, so they, you can see that on my Twitter account, um, at the Craig powers, but, uh, uh, yeah, so pretty solid stuff. Um, I'm almost done with it. Uh, got a, uh, three fates from Holy mountain, um, which Brian also picked up for me. 
um, nice. as as my uh, as my beer to take me to the finish line here. Um, yeah, so uh, got UW again. Mm. Uh, this time in UW's place. Mm. Um, and hopefully with Isaac Bonton. I uh, think we'll have him back. Yeah. That's kind of, that seems to be the vibe. Like he de- he went through some warm-ups on Sunday and then uh it came out and warmed up and then when the game started he was back in street clothes. So um I think the hope is that, you know, okay, so that was a good sign that he was close and then um he kind of dropped, you know, what seemed like a little bit of a hint on his Twitter uh, about you know the apple cup the apple and, cup yeah yeah so I, I i think there's a pretty good there's a pretty good chance that that he'll be back so which yeah is good so you dub uh d- did not have trouble with cal uh they <laughs> no, they them, didn't <laughs> snapped a nine game losing streak with that that win um yeah. I, I yeah I, the uh u-dubs had Three conference wins. Two of them have been absolute blowouts at home. Um, and then uh, the, another home win over Oregon State. So just like every team in this conference this year, they've been a lot better at home than they've been on the road. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, WSU was able to uh, shut them down pretty well defensively uh, the first time around. They weren't. They didn't really let Isaiah Stewart do a whole lot. Um Hopefully they can do that again. Uh, it's again like UW just on paper is a really shitty matchup for WSU um, because of the athleticism of guys like Stewart and, and McDaniel's. Um, but uh, UW is one of those uh, you know teams that because of their their Ken Palm rating will perplex people because <laughs> um, they do they are still ranked fifty sixth despite despite. Um, being three and twelve in Pac twelve play, right? Despite a nine game um, losing streak, but they did beat which they just uh, broke. They be- did beat Kempom's number two team <laughs> to start the year, um, and they and then were, a whole lot of close losses. And they yeah, they had a pretty close loss to number three Gonzaga. Um, they took number nineteen Houston real close, uh, uh, close tons of other close losses. So they yeah, definitely close loss to UCLA doesn't look bad anymore. Oh yeah, know. I mean UCLA might be the best team in the conference right now. Honestly, they might be. Uh, they, they're on Lunardi's got them like I think first four out. Yeah. So like, like they are just right on the bubble now. I mean they they've if, played themselves there. So WSU gave UCLA their best run in the last four games. It, yeah. It, which which is includes uh, road wins at Arizona and Colorado and Utah, which is insane. But yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, UW, I don't know. They're going to throw that mat, the matchup zone at you. Um, it's tough with the length they have, uh, particularly McDaniels is pretty disruptive. Uh, not as disruptive as like a Matisse Thibault person was, but yeah, he, he just, uh, he's long. Um, so yeah, they're going to have that, that defense. Um, WSU was able to do pretty well against it last time obviously uh um and uh taking down UW but that was at home uh WC has typically shot better at home um it was CJ in particular um going six of nine the first time from three um and then going 10 of 10 from the free throw line I what always gives me hope in these games at UW I, I I've seen WSU teams play better than you would expect at yep 
um, at uh, Alaska Airlines at Heckhead, um, be- especially um, the the kids from Seattle. I, like uh, I, I know Ella and Williams will be fired up. They were clearly fired up for the Pullman game. Um, um, I I I would expect Ella B to be looking to score quite a bit. Um, Bonton is a Portland guy, so I think he's still. Um, you know, he, he knows UW well. Um, it's probably a school that he thought he should have been recruited by. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something about those, those games, um, in, from a basketball perspective, um, that, uh, you know, sometimes we perform much better than we'd expect. Um, and, and we'll have to do that again. Like WC is going to need LB to go off again. Um, and they're going to need probably more from Bonton if he plays. And um, they're going to need Williams to be disruptive. And um, hopefully, uh, I, I, I hope Miller only played three minutes in the first matchup. I think he'd be nice to have in this one. Yeah. Because of his athleticism. Yep. And his um, ability he, to kind of sneak into some of those gaps yeah. in the zone. Yep. Yep. I think he'd be a very effective guy. Um, obviously, like... Uh, just giving on trends, I, I, I mean, Pollard's going to get a few extra days off here than he normally would, but um, just on trend and maybe knowing that you don't have that ne- next game in the weekend, you can play just a little bit harder. Um, but uh, um, I would expect Pollard just to, you know, his minutes to be dropped in, to be around 20, and, and we pro- we're probably going to see Miller get quite a few more. Um, yeah, just, to, you know, you just you hope we can knock down some threes shake shake out that zone a little bit um and then uh they were able to um get some inside looks um occasionally the first time around it wasn't easy but you know they they it mostly were able to just uh, uh you know attack the basket and draw fouls which UW can do at times um and they were really able to you know exploit that zone for offensive rebounds which um, to beat to beat that zone, that's probably the number one thing you can do is just attack the glass, get extra chances, and hope that they work out right. Yeah, and the you know the one of the things that we see about um, home court advantage is that typically fouls tend to favor favor the home team, and that was definitely to our benefit in the first matchup. And you know Absolutely. we've kind of talked about how uh, it seems we we seem to not get the benefit of the calls on the road. Um, and I think, you know, before we kind of talked about, okay, so we play this real, you know, aggressive, trying to steal the ball style, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, and for what it's worth, that also seems to be something that has dropped off. Um, I'm not looking at our numbers right now, but, um, it just seems like we're getting far fewer, you know, those overplay steals that we were getting, um, earlier in the season, whether that's because, you know, the other teams are just, you know, higher quality. And so they're not giving as many opportunities or whether that's just because, you know, it's late in the season. It really does take a lot of energy um, yep. to get out in those lanes and do those things, uh, you know, to be disruptive with your hands. I don't know. I, I think it's probably some of both and probably mostly just it's it's late in the season and dudes are tired. And, you know, that little extra burst of quickness you need to get your hand on a pass um, is tougher to come up with at this point. So, you know, you kind of put all that together to go on the road to Washington. You figure you're not going to get nearly as many friendly whistles, um, you know, charges same way, you know, Jeff Pollard drawn a charge at home, you know, maybe doesn't get that call on the road. Right. Uh, Noah Williams 
definitely doesn't get that call on the road, you know I mean? Uh, so I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I think that was one game where, you know, I mean, we, we love to rag on, you know, Pac-12 refs and, you know, we kind of joked, uh, you know, in the Cal game that we were getting refed in our own building, which, you know, I, I think we were, but you know, the, the UW game was definitely the one game where I'm going, Oh my God, like, 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 okay, we're really getting the benefit of most of these <laughs> most of these whistles at this right. point. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're going to need a little bit of that, you know, I think it's, it's sort of exactly what you said. Um, we need Bonton to be there. Uh, need him to penetrate a little bit um, and we need some offensive rebounding I think Tony Miller is uh, you know maybe an, an underrated factor in this game um, particularly if we do get some offensive rebounds um, you know those are great opportunities to to feed it to a guy down low for for a real you know quick putback or a real quick right. shot um, while the defense is out of position uh, so that could be a place where where he could excel so uh, definitely gonna need to hit some outside shots which we did in the first matchup um, so, you know, yeah, if we can do those things, I, I think we have a shot. You know, I mean, I, I said to you, you know, I think during the Stanford game, I was like, we may not win another game the rest of the year, <laughs> you know, we, and we might not, but, um, or at the very least in the, in the regular season, but, uh, with Bonton back, you know, I, I feel like, as you said, you know, for some reason, uh, this is sort of the anti, you know, football apple cup because, uh, you know, we seem to be able to maybe play above our heads just a little bit, um, in Washington's building, in this matchup. And so, uh, you know, I hold out some hope that that'll happen. I think, you know, only playing one game this week, having it be on Friday. Um, it's still a relatively short week because, uh, you know, you that played on Sunday, Sunday and then you play on Friday. So it's not quite the same as it used to be where you'd go, you know, Saturday, Saturday, right. You know, you play the, you know, your second game on Saturday and then you'd go play the, you know, the one off against Washington on Saturday. But, uh, you know, at any rate, you know, they, they will have had, you know, four full days off. Uh, you know, hopefully that's a little bit of a little bit of rest. And, you know, Jeff Pollard maybe hopefully has, you know, just he can, you know, dig real deep into the into the tank to, to pull something out. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not going I mean, because I don't want to be a part of that. But yeah, <laughs> but, you know, well, I uh, I am going I, as a uh, some friends. uh God bless you. I, offered. I, I was a little drunk when I agreed. So, um, <laughs> now these aren't these aren't husky friends, right? No, these are other Coog friends. It's it's the same uh, people that I was watching okay. the game with. So, um, right. that, okay. that, so um, that's uh, uh, yeah. I mean, some interesting things. Uh, yeah, you talk about WSU's effectiveness. They've still been very good at forcing turnovers, and UW gives the ball away more than anyone. And gives them way through steals. So you got to hope WSU does get those steals, um, get some quick offense. Yeah, uh, easy buckets. And then uh, somebody interesting, UW relies on the three more than any other team in conference play. Uh, and WSU stifles the three-point attempts more than any other team in conference Particularly play. with Bonton on the floor. Um, and that typically favors the, team, the defense. Um, so hopefully uh, – I mean, some of that has been, we can say, that WSU has been not very good defending inside. So <laughs> so it's not just forcing them off. Um, WSU has not been very good at defending, um, throwing it into the post or whatever, you know. Um, but, and obviously UW is going to do that with Stewart. Uh, that's a big part of their offense. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, a lot of those threes come from uh, Stewart doubles and kickouts. 
Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see here. I don't know. Um, uh, UW has found every which way to lose this year, um, and uh, I would be just fine if them they come out and just do that one more time. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible, and at, at the very least, you know, hopefully you get you know very drunk before you go in there, so you can still have a good time, even if it doesn't work out. Oh, I, I wouldn't have a good time at all. I got very drunk before the 2015 Apple Cup, and I had a terrible <laughs> time. So. That is true. We both did. Yeah. And uh, let's see. I think we both almost got in fights on the way out of the stadium. So. Yep. Absolutely. Yay. <laughs> Didn't really. I think the basketball us. crowd's a little, uh, a little more tempered, but we'll see. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would agree with that. They're not, not quite as many of the. Uh, there's mouth, only, there's, mouth breathers from Auburn. Driving there's up only, for basketball games. There's less than ten thousand of them in there. There's you know not seventy thousand like the football yeah. stadium. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we come out and win. Uh, it'd be really nice just to. It would cause, be nice. Cause and, this... and by the way, if we won that game, I believe it. I mean, math. We would be mathematically assured of finishing above Washington in the standings. Yep. Yeah, because so, there'd only be two left, and they'd be, uh, and they'd be six wins and three. Behind, yeah, they'd be right? three behind. Yeah, so yes, yeah. So, so that's very important. All the more important. Although, absolutely, uh, that, that's what I'd be that, telling those guys right now. Think Damn that it. means. Think that means WSU be in line to play Stanford in the first round of the term Pac-12 tournament. Oh, so. well, fuck that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any part of that. Lose uh, to win. No. Yeah. Uh, no. Beat the Huskies at any, any time. Yeah. Available. Everything else will work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would okay. you? Okay. Would you trade? Okay. Hypothetically, would you trade a uh, a loss to the Huskies for a win in the Pac-12 tournament for once? No. Me either. I'd, I'd much rather beat the Huskies. Me the too. Winning the winning in the opening round of the Pac-12 tournament means absolutely nothing. True. Yeah. I know that people get frustrated because we never win in there, but I, it's much more fun to win at UW. Come on. I agree. I agree. I'm with you on that one. I was just curious what you would say. Obviously, I'm going to be there, so I'm going to definitely want that. <laughs> like, that, that, that. Like, I was extremely biased on that. You're like, you're like hell no. Hell no. I'm going like, to be in the, in the, the tournament. I'm going to be in the goddamn arena. Are you kidding me? Of course I want to win that game. I would not trade that for anything. Uh, what else? Recruiting? Should talk some recruiting. Yeah, we got basketball recruiting. We got a Canadian coming down, at least for now. How do you say the same? Jefferson Koulibaly? I believe that's it. Yeah, Koulibaly. Montreal. Yeah. Which I just tear, just butchered. But uh, Originally I, from uh, Montreal, currently playing at an academy in Ontario. So Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, Montreal's a cool city. Yeah. So. He's really athletic. Yeah. Um, he he seems to be precisely um the kind of player that they want to recruit. You know, we were talking earlier about the about the six tool guys. Like like he's he's that kind of guy. Um he is, you know, people will look at the fact that he's averaging, you know, whatever, thirty points and ten assists and whatever. Uh the competition is is probably not, you know, the best. And he's also like high volume. I mean, I think he's taking 20 some shots a game. <laughs> like it's yeah. like it is, it is high volume stuff. But, um, you know, when you watch videos and, there, and there's not a lot of video out there on him, but 
Um, the stuff I've seen, you know, he just seems to fit really well. You know, he's, he's six foot four, uh, really athletic, uh, you know, is, is, is an adequate passer. Um, you know, maybe not as good of a shooter as he will end up being. Um, you know, he, he seems to, again, the, the volume, uh, of shots seems to kind of be playing into, into a lot of that stuff, but, uh, you know, perhaps that's, that's something that can develop and, you know, he certainly has the tools, I think, I think to be effective. So, uh, yeah, you know, the old, uh, we used to joke about Ernie Kent's, uh, long and athletic, right? Uh, that was his, uh, that, that was, you know, his, his propaganda line there in his last year or two, uh, we're, we're long and athletic. And it's like, no, you're not, you're not, you play Ahmed Ali. He's like five foot 11. Like you are not long and athletic at all. Uh, Ahmed yeah, Ali and Gervais Robinson. Yeah. In the same starting back. Yeah. In the same starting backcourt. Um, so yeah, you're, you're not long and athletic at that point, but, um, you know, we're, we're kind of heading that direction, right? I mean, you know, this kid's six, four, uh, who knows if he's done growing, he, he may or may not be, uh, you know, and then six, five, Noah Williams, six, five, Ryan Rapp. Uh, you know, we're definitely, we're definitely trending in that direction of being, being long enough to, to harass some guys and do some things. So yeah, he's a really exciting guy. I know, uh, you know, my, my sources tell me that the coaching staff is very, very, very excited to have landed him. Um, that they, this is a kid they really, really wanted. And, uh, he was originally a 2021 kid, uh, reclassified to 2020, um, when, and I don't know if he, you know, decided that on his own or if he, uh, was sort of like encouraged to do that maybe by Wazoo or somebody else that, Hey, look, you know, if you reclassify, we can, you know, take care of that now. So, um, I know that Maryland was sniffing around. Uh, I suppose there's no reason why Maryland couldn't continue to sniff around cause he can't sign until April, but, um, yeah, real good get, uh, presuming they can keep him and presuming his, his stock doesn't really take off anymore, which, um, usually at this point in the season, guys typically, are, you know, don't see their stock take off. Uh, it really just be, depends on where they want to wait it out and see if, uh, see if a spot opens up somewhere. Uh, and so that's always risky because if you, if you wait and wait and wait, then, you know, the spot you had, uh, might dry up, you know, you got a spot at Washington state, you know, in a power five school, uh, you know, that spot could go away if you wait around for Maryland or whoever to finally offer you a, an actual scholarship. So, yeah. Uh, and we should say he's already 18. Um, he's not like yeah. reclassifying as a 17 year old. Right. And, like, yeah. So right. he's, he'll, he'll be right. He'll turn 19. not unusual for kids like that to sort of position themselves, you know, to be signing at 19. Right. Because yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, he's like mature, et cetera. So he's like, uh, when, um, you know, if if you got that fall birthday when you're in high school, you you got that driver's license early, uh, because you waited, uh, waited to start kindergarten. You know right. that basically extra nine months or whatever. Uh, yeah, because he has an October birthday, and, and that's uh, that's what that's what B's gonna be like. She's a November birthday, so she's gonna yep. have to Tristan, wait. It. But so Tristan had his 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 birthday's in June, and so he's the oldest kid in his class because we held him didn't hold him back but you know what i mean like we had our choice of when we could start we had, like he had good reason we'll start so. yeah that too <laughs> he was still getting chemo so you know that was yeah, yeah maybe not a great time to start getting no no uh, so yeah. anyway but yeah uh, I, I think they're getting i you know i, I know they're excited about him and so I when mean, you combine him with the other guys they've got committed uh you know ebajidi and uh tj bomba 
you know, Bamba's a six, five guard, you know, six, five guard. So, you know, they're going to have a lot of guys that are like six, five, six, 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 seven, uh, who are rangy and athletic and they're and playing who, one through three, yep. not, not four and five. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. So, uh, you know, those guys playing one through three. Uh, and you think if, if Mark Ovesky can, you know, turn into something, yeah. you know, seven footer in the back. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, really like can really become, do some things defensively. Because we, we've seen height be a real issue for the team this year. And that's something, and we've seen how effective it can be at the guard positions. Um, and when you get even taller um, with uh, these younger kids coming in. Yep. Taller than Bonton, taller than Robinson, um, and more athletic too. Kulabali looks very athletic. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for him. I, I he, uh, he just feels like an under the radar kid. That yeah. I mean, I, Maryland's not. I mean, Maryland's not what they were, but they're not sniffing around if he's not um, legit. I, I, I think that the uh reclassifying is working to our advantage um i think it's looking probably, i think it's way way to our advantage i think if he would have played next year uh you would have seen more uh major conference offers and um so hopefully you know we they can hold on to him for another month and a half <laughs> yeah and uh and and then he he signs that letter of intent and um because yep. he's uh yeah like you said you like you've told me um they're super excited about him and and i just i, I get the vibe just based on some of the guys they brought in this year um i i'm already pretty impressed with their talent evaluation um based on the the really quick recruiting class they put together yep um basically turn, turning over almost the whole roster yeah i mean yeah they when they brought in noah williams and you know, Bonton and, uh, uh, rap. And uh, these, these look like, uh, pieces that, you know, yep. next year will be very helpful. Uh, Tony Miller, obviously yep. uh, we talked about him a lot. Um, Mark Ivetsky looks like a guy that, you know, I know he looks slow, but he looks like he's got something. And yeah. so I don't know, like I, I, I'm feeling good about their talent evaluation. And if they're excited about him, um, based on the video, he looks like, uh, he looks like a guy that, even though he's playing against worse um, teams, uh, he still is uh, he's dominating them. And yep, yeah, and so yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully he sticks around, and, and we still got him. Um, there's another guy uh, for the uh, next recruiting class. Um, yeah, it's funny he, that you know you get this commitment from this kid, and he's probably not the most interesting <laughs> recruiting note from this week, which is kind of yeah. funny. So, uh, WSU, if you try to find this recruit in bat for basketball on, uh, internet, it's quite difficult, um, because he is now a much more prominent football recruit in Nathan Rollins Kabangi or Kabangi. Yeah. We have no idea how to pronounce that. So if any of Um, Nathan's family is listening, sincerely apologize for butchering his name repeatedly as we are about to do. So this is a kid in the 2021 class that, uh, Smith got a very early, commit from and last he year. still he still has it as his pinned tweet that he's committed to play basketball at wsu but he is now a four-star recruit for football and defensive end defensive end and uh so y- you got to think that um 
you, you, like you got to think that obviously the football team's all in on him coming in too, uh, and it would be a football scholarship probably that would be used. But you got um, it, it's funny that actually they put um, it's when I looked last week they didn't even have w, on his football uh, profile uh, they didn't even have WSU on like the top lists even though he was committed to play basketball, but now they have him at, they have WCU as the top, uh, most like the warmer, um, one on, on two, four, seven. Yep. Um, but and yeah, the lead recruiter is the new defensive coordinator. So yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he is rated, uh, a 92, uh, to, uh, for a football player that he would, uh, by two seven sports and uh, over a ninety, he would be one of the best recruits WSU has ever had in football. Yeah, honestly, yeah, he would be. <laughs> um, He'd and be then up he there. would he would definitely be uh, one of the best football recruits in the next class if he wasn't going to play football, which he definitely would be. I, I assume he would be a two sport guy. Um, he is six seven two forty already in high school. Yeah, um, he's athletic enough to play major college basketball. And it also wants to play defensive end in football. Um, but yeah, now um, because he's so good at football, WSU has got a lot more contention for his basketball services uh, with uh, Arizona State, California, Colorado, Oklahoma, giving him offers. That's just a few. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's uh, uh, you got Nebraska, Boise State, and Miami. Oregon State also in there, but um, yeah. So uh, obviously, I this is probably just the start for him on offers. Uh, he's got a whole season yes. uh, to take his official visits and everything. And he can um, take he can take like all of his at least I believe he can take all of his basketball, basketball visits and, and take all his football visits if he wants. Yep. So he could take up to ten visits, I think, if he wanted to. So. so he would be an absolutely huge get um, for WSU athletic department. Um, I, you know, it's. I think you and I both are. Uh, we just really so so want the basketball team to be good. Yeah. Um, and it, so it kind of a little bit bums me out that like even if he does come, because he probably would only play conference season for basketball. Um, so it because you know football is typically you know going to be running through december typically um assuming we keep making those bowl games um but uh and he's obviously going to need some recovery time from one to the other um obviously we've had you know uh mike bush play uh two-way for us but uh yeah it's just because he's so uh good at football uh now uh, even though he's committed uh to wsu it doesn't really feel like he is right like right he he hasn't committed from a football standpoint um and i i kind of get the impression that he feels that way like you know like yeah he's, he's not like he committed to basketball but obviously there's this football thing um i i do it's it's funny thinking about the one two kyle smith and nick rolovich um duo and uh going in on on him um, the conversations about him and all that. Um, but, um, but yeah, man, um, how are you feeling on this? How, how, how do, 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 does he feel like a guy that's going to land at WSU eventually? 
Well, I think WSU has as good of a chance as anybody because, you know, when you talk about a school that, uh, so, okay. So to do the two, the two sport thing, you've either got to be, uh, you've, you've, you've either got to be a really special athlete to do it. Um, or you've got to go to a place where they're just, they're willing to let you do it. So, you know, you look at a, for example, you know, a guy like, um, you know, back in the day, Donovan McNabb at Syracuse, right? Really special athlete, you know, quarterback, uh, you know, also played point guard, like, you know, really, really obviously special kind of guy. I will say, let me, let me add that he does not have the uh, WSU commit as his, uh, as his pin tweet anymore. Yeah. I just <laughs> yeah. I so think he even said Washington state basketball commit on his Twitter profile before and he, he doesn't have that. Yeah. Anymore. So, you know, I listen <laughs> and, and his, his recruitment to, you know, to our school was, um, sort of weird in the first place that, mm-hmm. um, so number one, he committed after his sophomore year, which is obviously unusual. Um, he committed in June, um, and he committed with basically just like an unofficial visit to Pullman, um, which, you know, the, I mean, the only difference between the official and unofficial is it's either on the school's dime or on the player's dime. So um, he made his own trip from, you know, Portland to Pullman, uh, you know, checked it out, thought it was great, decided to commit. And I remember at the time I was just like, oh, you know, okay, <laughs> I mean, just all right, I guess. Uh, so you know, I mean, it. Anytime something happens that early, you know, your first thought is, well, you know, we'll see. Okay, right? Because <laughs> he's still very young, and you never know why a guy. Usually, when guys commit that early, they're. I shouldn't say usually. There are a lot of reasons why a guy might commit that early. Sometimes it might be you know, working, try, trying to work an angle, trying to leverage, trying to drum up interest in themselves. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons, not saying that was his reasoning. I mean, he did say grand interview that said, just fell in love with Pullman, wanted to be there, thought it was great. I want to be a part of that. Okay, cool. That was before he ever played a snap of football. So then the fall rolls around, he has his football season and uh, was really, really good. When you watch the video, you're like, oh, <laughs> like, like, okay, yeah, I can, I can see that. So um, as far as what, what that means for us, you know, I, I think that WSU is, is in a position to really kind of give him whatever he wants. If, if he says, yeah, I want to play both, then, you know, Rolovich probably looks at that and goes, yeah, he's a special talent. I'm I'll share him. You know, it's, it's sharing, sharing him, sharing a kid with that kind of talent um, is better than not getting a kid at all with that kind of talent. And then, you know, Kyle Smith, probably similar deal. I mean, uh, you know, he's a top 300 recruit in football right now, which is really, really, really good. Um, but he's also, according to, you know, uh, 24 sevens own evaluators, he's also a top 200 recruit in basketball, which is, um, you know, not, not like elite, uh, but is better than really anything we ever get. Uh, he's a high three-star kid. They, you know, so top, you know, top 100 is really sort of the arbitrary cutoff of, okay, these are really impact players, but top 200, you know, I mean, like I said, you know, we, we don't have a top 200 kid on our roster right now. CJ Ellaby wasn't a top 200 kid. So, uh, you know, that should, that should kind of tell you something about what kind of, what kind of talent you're getting, even from a guy who, uh, you know, maybe people are projecting a higher upside as a football player than, than as a basketball player. Um, you know, certainly no slouch at all as a basketball player. So, 
uh, I think both Kyle Smith and, and Nick Rolovich both would be ecstatic uh, to land him, even if, you know, for Kyle Smith, again, it's, as you mentioned, it's, you know, for half, you're only going to get him for half a season every year. Uh, you know, I think that's a deal you make. And then, and then a part of it, you know, something I mentioned when we were chatting about it before was that, uh, you know, if he plays football and he's on scholarship, he has to take a football scholarship. So that does give, um, you know, a little bit of flexibility to the basketball team, even though, uh, you know, you're, you're only getting the guy maybe for half a season, uh, you're still getting a guy for half a season that doesn't cost you a scholarship. So that's still, that's still a bonus. Um, still doesn't hurt you, um, you know, and then on the off chance that, you know, the football team doesn't make a bowl game, which I think if we're being honest, uh, is, you know, is a possibility going forward. Right. Um, you know, then the season's over at Thanksgiving and, you know, he joins the team, you know, for the last month of, uh, non-conference games before, and then he'll really be ready for conference play. So, um, you know, I, I think that's good. I, the one thing I do like is this, that the guys who, uh, are basketball players first and then football players second ten, tend to tend to value basketball more than I think most like kind of pundit type people think or, or would would be willing to say. So, you know, basketball players tend to really love playing basketball, um, even though maybe he looks and goes, hey, you know, I'm just kind of starting out this football thing. I also want to kind of see where that goes. Um, you know, basketball players tend to come back around. I mean, Nate Robinson's a great example of that. You know, he was a basketball, really a basketball player first and foremost, um, mm-hmm. and loved basketball. And, you know, so he goes to UW on a, on a football scholarship, uh, is a football player decides, you know what, I'm going to do both. And then eventually goes, you know what, I'm just going to play basketball. And that, you know, worked out to be a pretty good decision for him. So, um, not that necessarily this guy is as talented as Nate Robinson, because Nate Robinson's one of the best, you know, high school basketball players I've ever seen. But, um, you know, just basketball players tend to really love the game. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up basing his decision uh, primarily on maybe his best option for basketball. And, you know, I wonder if he's already got a scholarship offer in football from Oklahoma. Um, I do wonder if, you know, like like at a football factory like that, if um, if they're as willing to, uh, you know, give give as much. Uh, I don't know if I'm kind of searching for the right word here, but but really just kind of give them as much latitude um, mm-hmm. with basketball, you know, as uh, you know, as WSU might particularly a guy like Nick Rolovich seems maybe a little more open to that than than maybe Mike Leach would have been so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I th- that's all a very, very, very long-winded way to say. I, I think we've probably got as good a shot as anybody, you know, being in early and um, having some personalities like Kyle Smith and, and Nick Rolovich. I think you know can only work to our benefit. If he decides, you know, football is really his future, then yeah, then maybe he goes somewhere else. But um, you know, if he go- wants to go somewhere where he's going to get a legit shot to really um, just kind of dive into both. You know, I think WSU is obviously as good a place as any, and I'm sure Kyle Smith and and uh, Jake Dickert are telling him that as often as possible. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully he uh, is wearing the crimson and gray, crimson and gray come 2021. Yeah, we'll have to um, wait until uh, I think he can he could sign a letter of intent in basketball in November, I think. So we'll have to wait until at least November. Yeah. What will we do until then? I, I, don't, even know. I don't know. We may we'll find just, some things to talk about between now and then. I, I don't know. I'm not uh, sure. Anyway, this this is Rollins Kabange cast. 
Um, yeah. We only talked. And my guess is he probably he probably had zero sense of <laughs> what what his football recruitment would end up becoming. Uh, you know, having never played football before, so you know, and good for him. Enjoy it. Suddenly, and he finds check it himself out. playing what has become the most valuable position. <laughs> right in, uh, <laughs> outside of quarterback in, yeah. in football. Uh, uh, a quick as, a quick note, by the way, is that if Oregon Oregon has hired uh, hired somebody from his school, and so if Oregon wants to recruit him, they have to get a waiver from the NCAA. It's the rules there are different for football than they are for basketball because, like you've probably most people have probably heard of, uh, for example, you know the Michael Porter situation, right, at Washington, right. where you know they hired his dad, and then you know the Porters come and you know play it. Garfield and or Nathan Hale or whatever Nathan Hale right uh, played in Nathan Hale and and then we're going to go to UW and then didn't or whatever but um, but the rules are different in football and uh, they'd have to get a waiver in order to recruit him which you know my guess is they probably would apply for it and probably will get it but uh, but it is a little more complicated than just being like hey why doesn't he just stay home and play for Oregon so for whatever that's worth yeah um, what do you I don't think, know, we Mike? got anything else? Uh, I don't know. Sad buff emojis. Oh yeah, emojis. yeah. We should talk about that. Um, Carl so, uh, Durrell, the the original Bruins Nation whipping boy. Carl <laughs> well, other than Dan Guerrero, but yes. Well, I mean, yeah. In terms of fo- coaches, in terms of coaches, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I don't, I don't think they were complaining about Howland quite yet by then. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, Carl Durrell, who hasn't coached since what, 2007? Has it been that long? Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> he was, okay, he now was gotta UCLA's look this up. coach. He, he was UCLA's coach when I was in Pullman. Wow. Um, I didn't, yeah, I 2003, did 2007. That. And I don't think he's wow. had, he hasn't had a head coaching job since then. Holy cow. And it's That's mostly, amazing. Mostly been in the NFL. Yeah. One um, year at Vanderbilt and then everything else in the NFL. And not really a yeah, Miami, Houston, Jets, Miami mostly again. Positional, yeah, positional coaching. Wow. Positions. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, this Obviously, uh, Colorado was put in a, a unique and difficult position um, with uh, – uh, with uh, what the fuck is his name? <laughs> <laughs> Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker. Thank you. For, I kept. Uh, dude, okay. Embry was Embry was floating he in was, my head, yeah, and he it wouldn't get Mac. out. He was before. Um, so uh, with Mel, with Mel Tucker, um, t- the latest of latest tires, obviously, because Michigan State was put in a weird position, right? Um, and probably got a pretty good guy, honestly. Um, you know, in terms of like a young guy, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's more of a hire that you could be like, okay, this could be fine. But when you, I mean, you're you're basically hoping for that Nick Saban magic space dust. Yeah. And he's still young and he, you know, whatever. But when you get a guy like Darrell, who's not that old in terms of head coaching, he's 57, but he's. He has he has not coached been a head coach for a program in thirteen years. Yeah, um, I just had wasn't it, my mind wasn't is in, blown right now. Like I had no like idea had that had long. one good season, but wasn't particularly. Um, I mean, UCLA like UCLA fans 
think he wasn't good. Um, they think a lot higher of their football program probably than than what anybody their football program is <laughs> than um, anyone on the planet. They, they think that they should be basically one A to USC's one, um, but uh, they aren't, and uh, they've never rarely been. Uh, but so he went thirty-five and twenty-seven. You know, not terrible. He had a ten-win season, won Pac-12 Coach of the Year once. So like, you know the the uh the the credentials aren't terrible but it's also 13 years ago (laughs) uh, well it's like imagine um, okay 2003 to 2007 that's when bill doba was our coach the same years pretty much and he lost to bill doba multiple times holy shit like that's can you imagine like i I know bill doba's like really old but i mean can you imagine like yeah, Bill Delbo was That's older wild. than Durrell is now when he was of our course. coach. <laughs> of course. I just mean like, you know, to be like Bill Doba got fired and then like now he's resurfacing. You know what I mean? Like just that long without being in charge of a program is um that's really something. Also kind of crazy. Durrell was super young. <laughs> he was. I mean, he got he was really job. really young. He was he was 40 when he got that job. Yeah. Like that's I mean obviously in now that's less weird, but back then it was pretty weird. Yeah, I mean that's how old um, Rolovich is. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I guess it's not that weird. But yeah. it is his second job, so for whatever that's worth. And Doba is seventy nine now, so yeah, he was. <laughs> so yeah, Doba was sixty two. Yeah. When he started coaching WSU, and Durrell right now is fifty seven. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like uh, I, I, I did not expect them to hire anyone i thought they would just go interim yeah i I mean it's a weird deal like like i get not wanting to go that route um because you 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 maybe run the risk of losing you know half your recruiting class and so like I, i i mean i kind of understand not wanting to do that um but at the same time it's also like I mean, geez. I, how did you find this? Yeah, guy? how did you land on Carl Durrell? I, I mean, look, he must have a very good agent. You know, if, I, <laughs> if I'm a coach and I'm a little even un, like slightly how, unhappy with my agent, I'm like. How, how pissed is Jim Mora? Right I'm now? like, who the fuck is Carl Durrell's agent? I want that guy, you know. Uh, you know, if, 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 if I, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was uh, Colorado hires former fired UCLA head coach, and it was Jim. Right, Mora. it was Jim Mora, but but, but it's but it's Carl Durrell. And, no, and, like, and that should tell you something about the stink that Jim Mora cannot wash off. Like, which nobody will about. touch him, which makes all that Coug fan stuff about Jim Mora all the more hilarious. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm not. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to completely pan this thing yet. Um, you know, you mentioned that he was really young the first time around. And I think, I think people can learn, you know, yeah. I, I do believe that people can grow. Um, I do believe that they can figure some things out. Um, and he was, it's not like he was an abject failure at UCLA. Exactly. You know, you kind of mentioned that. I mean, he, he wasn't great. He definitely wasn't great, but you know, five bowl games, uh, 500 or better record every year in the conference. Um, you know, never finished, you know, worse than fifth in the conference. And that was back before the pack 12. So we're talking pack 10, uh, you know, finished fifth, fifth, third, fourth, fourth in his five years. So, uh, you know, granted, which I think not, not finishing higher than third was his 
Oh, what spell like sure. was what especially for UCLA, UCLA fans yeah. and I get it I mean he was not and I'm not saying you know UCLA was wrong to fire him or something I mean you know granted you know if you're UCLA and we we want to do better than that okay great you know whatever but um you know he wasn't horrendous down there uh you know I certainly think he put together a better run than Jim Mora did uh, so a year younger than so, Jim Mora yeah so you know, and then he spent a bunch of time, you know, now he spent a bunch of time kicking around the NFL working for, now I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know that he's worked under the best coaches uh, in that right. time. So I don't, you know, maybe, I mean, I'm not sure how much he learned from, you know, working with these, these different coaches, but um, you know, he's, he's worked with enough guys around the NFL that uh, he's probably picked up a trick or two along the way. And, you know, maybe it won't be a disaster. I don't know. I mean, it, I'm, I'm definitely curious. Um, and, and I will say, you know, that and I know this always rankles some people, but um, I will say, you know, I'm glad if, if, if a school is going to go for a retread, um, you know, let's go for an African-American retread, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, get some of that uh, diversity back in the Pac-12. Um, I think that's, you know, Colorado, well, Colorado lost straight. an African-American coach and yeah. brought in one. That's, and, and so I think that's three I consecutive that's African-American coaches when almost no one is hiring African-American coaches. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's that's that is a good thing. Um, you know, and again, sometimes people bristle at that idea. But, um, you know, I really think there's there's value in diversity. And so, well, so I'm glad they went that know, direction. Yeah. Maybe there's a chance that a guy like Carl Durrell if he was a white guy would have had a head coaching opportunity again. Yeah. In the last I think, I think that's years, an entirely, so. I think that's an entirely fair assessment, you know, because it's not like he was, you know, like we said, it's not like he was horrendous. Uh, it's not like it was a total, total, total train wreck. Um, you know, he was okay. Just not up to what, you know, UCLA would want. And typically guys like that get another shot. So, you know, good for him. Uh, he's not in the North, so I hope he has great success. <laughs> Yep. At Colorado. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like, and, Colorado is. You know, go for it, buddy. Colorado is not a very hateable school. No. You know, I, I like them. No. I, I liked Boulder's going to a their beautiful school. place. And... Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. Just lose to WSU every time you play WSU. I'll yep. be fine. Keep doing that, and we'll be, we'll be good. All right, man. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's uh that's pretty much it that's all we got yeah um, i think we've run out of things to talk about yeah uh we're canceling the podcast it's over we're done that's it we've talked about everything there is yep uh but uh <laughs> if you uh if you don't believe me feel free to subscribe no uh, we'll probably be back next week probably probably um uh if you uh if you do are already subscribed, um, feel free to give us that five star rating. Leave us a little review. That helps other people find us on their uh, podcast machines. And uh, um, yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at the Craig Powers. Follow Jeff. It's 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 Jeff at, at Pod versus Everyone. Pretty much um, for all your hot takes that you need. That's um, right including all your political hot takes. Yep. I get criticized for that sometimes. Don't care. Yeah. 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 Whatever. We started this thing talking about politics, so. We did, because we uh, honestly thought we wouldn't have anything else to talk about, and it turned out we had plenty <laughs> like, of hey, stuff let's talk, to talk about, about. Yeah, we'll talk some cougs, but there won't be much to talk about, so let's talk about politics. 
But here we are, 72 episodes in. We've learned. We've evolved. We're giving <laughs> we've people learned, what they want. Man, we could talk cougs all day. So, you know, whatever. I do. I, 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 you know, I've definitely heard the complaints, like, when we were doing the politics, like, ah, I wish. We but then I get the occasional, like, oh, I liked when you guys were talking about politics. Like, it's like. Well, I think we're. I, I think it's going to be a bit unavoidable in the next uh, six months at some point. So, yeah, or maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Got it. I hope not. We can talk soccer um, too. You know, we could talk all kinds of things. We could. Hopefully, Cougar sports is interesting enough. Um, That's the hope. Maybe baseball yeah. will give us something interesting. They're not scoring a lot of runs right now, though. Yeah, they had a real. They had a real nice win uh on sunday they did had a little comeback against hawaii come back yeah. uh, like we said uh wsu teams never score runs early <laughs> in the season that's true that's true all right man well, all right have a good night go, go cougs, cougs.